Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome back to our third lesson on Ruth. In our last podcast, we were introduced to a wealthy landowner named Boaz. We saw his generosity and kindness that he extended towards the young widow, Ruth, by offering her his protection, both in the fields and by offering her his corner of the blanket on the threshing floor. As Ruth's kinsman redeemer, Boaz has willingly said that he would marry Ruth, but that he first must approach a relative who is more closely related to her. We've also seen that Ruth has behaved in a humble and godly manner by obeying the seemingly bizarre instructions that her mother-in-law Naomi gave to her to lay at Boaz's feet. We saw that Boaz blessed this humble gesture and also remarked at how moved he was that Ruth would choose him instead of a younger man. We discussed that in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth is immediately after the book of Proverbs, and we were able to see Ruth's valor and integrity, not only through her own actions, but through the description of a hale woman, which is Hebrew for a person of noble character, this described in Proverbs 31. We left our story with Boaz promising Ruth that he would approach her closer kinsman to see if he would marry her. But he's promised that if he will not, quote, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it, unquote. Let's open our Bibles to Ruth chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. So she laid his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens for that man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Unquote. It seems that not only does Ruth have a good reputation, but Boaz does too. Naomi has remarked to Ruth that Boaz is a man of his word and he won't let the sun go down without settling the matter. What strikes me about this Bible story is that unlike the book of Esther, lives are not at stake here. Is this actually a story about mundane, 
everyday sort of things. And yet we see how God often uses the little decisions we make to carry out his big plans. And boy, do I mean big. Wait until you find out what kind of eternal ramifications these decisions of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz will have. We live in an age where it's believed that there's no absolute truth, but all truth is in the eye of the beholder. You may have even heard someone say, well, your truth is not necessarily my truth. But just so you know, this is not a new concept. That is precisely what was happening in ancient Israel during the time of our story, the days of the judges. This is actually described in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, where it says, Every man was doing what was right in his own eyes, unquote. Our story of Ruth takes place during a tumultuous time where doing the right thing for the right reason was a really novel idea. This is what makes the behavior of Boaz even more outstanding. We're now picking up our story in Ruth chapter 4. Boaz is going to head down to the town gate to find Ruth's relative. And remember, in those days, the cities are walled, so no one can enter or exit the town without going through a city gate. So therefore, the city gate is the center of activity. It's where merchants set up their shops. It's where disputes are settled. It's where the beggars would sit. And it's where business would take place since it's really the best place to gather witnesses if you're going to enter into some kind of business transaction. So honestly, if you're looking for someone, this is the place you would go and sit and wait. When I traveled to Israel, we saw many of these ancient gates, and I actually talk about this a little bit during my temple podcast that you can find on studentofthebible.com. Let's open up our Bibles to Ruth chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. 
At this, the guardian redeemer said, whoa, 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 whoa. Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it, unquote. What have we just learned here? Well, we just received some new information. Ruth's dead father-in-law, Elimelech, had some property in the area that is now for sale. Remember, inheritance is not passed on to the women, so Ruth would not automatically receive this land. And did you see how eager this relative was to buy the land? Ah, but there was a catch, wasn't there? If you buy the land, you get the wife too. Bonus. But now we start to see the relative's true colors. Wait, what? I have to get a wife too? Wait a minute. What if this woman gives birth to a son? I don't want to share this new wealth or my existing wealth with anyone. Seems like he wouldn't be the greatest husband for Ruth anyway, doesn't it? But now... Boaz can marry Ruth, and that's where we pick up our story. Chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today, you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Molon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite. Molon's widow as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephratah, which by the way is the ancient name for Bethlehem, and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah." Unquote. I don't know if you realize this, what a blessing these witnesses have just bestowed upon Ruth. Quote, may the Lord make the woman like Rachel and Leah, unquote. Well, what did they mean by that? In the Bible, Rachel and Leah, they're the two wives of Jacob in the book of Genesis. And it's these two women who are singled out partly because they were foreigners, just like Ruth, and worshipped idols, and yet both Rachel and Leah become engrafted into God's people. And between the two of them, with the help of their female servants, give Jacob 12 sons. These are the 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's through Leah's lineage because of Judah that Jesus Christ is born. So this is an 
amazing blessing these witnesses have just given to Boaz. Therefore, this blessing upon Ruth places her among some of the most godly women of the Bible. And so we start to see how Ruth has moved from being considered a foreigner to someone who is respected, blessed, and honored. The blessings hope that Ruth will also bear many children and that Boaz's name will be great in Bethlehem. And then the witnesses also said, may your family be like Perez, P-E-R-E-Z. Now that's probably a name you're less familiar with. Perez is one of the sons of Judah. And he's a named ancestor of King David and Jesus. In fact, the family of Perez is so blessed by God that his family is one of the five families to which the entire tribe of Judah belongs. Wow! This blessing is going to prove to be very prophetic. Let's read what happens next. This is Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David, unquote. Oh, that David is King David. And you know who's the famous descendant of King David? Jesus. When we look in the New Testament to the book of Matthew, we see some of the lineage of Jesus. I want you to listen for the name of Perez, Ruth, Boaz, and Obed. I know lineage passages can be so boring and we get lost in the names until we study the Bible and we learn their significance and then the beauty just leaps off the page and we start to see the hand of God and the significance of every single name that's mentioned. I'm looking at Matthew chapter one and I'm just gonna look at a portion of the lineage. We're going to look at verses three through six. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. 
Ram, the father of Avinadab, Amenadab, the father of Nashan, Nashan, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, unquote. God has blessed Naomi, the mother-in-law, with, in the words of her friends, a blessing greater than seven sons. That's really saying something. God was with Naomi during her tough times, wasn't he? Naomi never gave up on God. And yes, she did have some dark moments where she wanted to change her name to Mara, which meant bitter. But even then, she still trusted that God had a plan. And now, God has blessed her with a grandson, Obed. The name Obed in Hebrew means serving or worshiping. And then you have Ruth, a foreigner, a lowly widow. But because of her faithfulness and her marriage to Boaz, she becomes a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Because Remember, if you continue to read Matthew 1, we learn that King David is an ancestor of Jesus. And we have Boaz. I love this description of him, taken actually from my NIV study Bible. It says, quote, Heroes are easier to admire than to define. They're seldom conscious of their moments of heroism and Others may not recognize their acts as heroic. Heroes simply do the right thing at the right time, whether or not they realize the impact their action may have. Perhaps the one quality that they share is a tendency to think of others before they think of themselves, unquote. What we have seen in Boaz time and again is that he does not only what is right, but he does it the right way. Of course, none of us can foresee all the future implications of our actions, but we can be like Boaz and Ruth and meet our challenges by taking the right action in any situation we're facing. The easy choice and the right choice are rarely the same choice. This is where prayer and discernment come in. One final note about Boaz. When I read the passage from Matthew, did you catch who Boaz's mother was? Oh my goodness, it's Rahab. Now think back. Does the name Rahab mean anything to you? Rahab is the prostitute mentioned in the book of Joshua. In fact, Rahab's name appears three times in the New Testament. First in Matthew 1, the lineage of Jesus, Rahab is only one of four women listed in this genealogy of Jesus. Now, 
Of course we know there's way more than four women involved, but to actually be named in the Bible, it's huge. The four women named in Jesus's lineage are Rahab, Boaz's mom, Ruth, Boaz's wife, Tamar, and Bathsheba. Yeah, King David's Bathsheba. Rahab is also mentioned in what I call the Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, where Rahab is listed as one of the examples of the heroes of faith. And then she's also mentioned in James chapter 2, verse 25, where Rahab is praised as one who has been justified by works, not just by faith. So who is this Rahab that's Boaz's mother? All right, she's the prostitute who helps the Israelites in capturing the Canaanite city of Jericho. And she does this by hiding two of the Israelite spies in her house. And then she lets them down from her roof with a cord because prostitutes, typically one of their house walls was the outer wall of the city. So it was easy enough for her to stick a cord from the roof and then they would climb down on the outside of the wall. When the Israelites invaded, Rahab and her family were saved because she had helped them and her house was identified because she hung a red rope from outside the window. So the Israelites knew not to destroy her or her family. Now, if you don't know this story, after you're done listening, check it out. Joshua chapter two, amazing story of faith. So in fact, Boaz's mother Rahab, this is so cool. Well, she ends up marrying one of the spies that she hid and his name was Salmon. And I said his name in the Matthew passage. So Salmon and Rahab have a son, Boaz. Boaz marries Ruth, who conceives and has a son, Obed, who later has a son, Jesse, who later has a son, King David. What can we learn by studying the book of Ruth? Well, first, think back to our study on Esther. I think in Ruth and in Esther, you can clearly see there is no such thing as happenstance and coincidence. God's hand is with us every step we take, every breath we make. He cares deeply about every decision, no matter how mundane or ordinary. The story of Ruth is a true story of good news for all of us. Why? Well, because the story of Ruth shows us that being a participant in the kingdom of God is not decided by blood or by birth or by wealth or social standing, but instead by us living our lives in step with the will of God through obedience that comes from faith. But also, what a relief to know we don't have to be perfect. God has used broken people 
foreign people, idol worshipers, and they've all been transformed into people of faith that God uses for his purpose. Ruth, she'd been a foreigner and a poor widow. Naomi, an aging poor widow. Rahab, well, she'd been a prostitute. Boaz, an unmarried landowner. Look how God turned their lives around for his glory and his purpose. I know, this has been a rough year, but for someone, it's always a rough year or a tough season. Someone is always experiencing pain or loss or hardship, right? And it's hard to see that good is coming if all we feel is pain and abandonment. But I love the summary of hope about the story of Ruth that is described by the author Josh McDowell. He says this, quote, But we know God is never idle. As Naomi tenderly cradles Ruth's infant son, reaffirming her trust in God's provision, she has no clue that the baby will one day become the grandfather of Israel's most faithful king, David. And it would blow her mind to be told that also through this lineage, Jesus, the savior of the world, would make his appearance to play his part in God's master plan. Like Naomi, we can't always see how God is working in and through our lives, but we can choose to expect that he is doing good things despite our circumstances, unquote. Well, I'm gonna end this with some really good news. Like Ruth, we also have a kinsman redeemer. Have you ever thought about that? Our kinsman redeemer is Christ. Yes, he's God, but he came to earth as a man in order to save us. By death on the cross, he redeemed us from sin and hopelessness and purchased us to be his own possession. You're right, if you think that it's not easy to humble ourselves and lay our lives down at the feet of our Redeemer. But when we do, he promises us, just like Boaz promised Ruth, to not reject us, not to abandon us. Christ offers us his eternal love and his eternal blanket of protection. That's good news. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening to studentofthebible.com. If you liked what you heard, why not suggest this website to others? And like me on Facebook, Student of the Bible. Have a blessed day and look for opportunities to be a blessing to others.